Are you an artist longing to show your work in more prolific galleries and exhibitions? Do you want to make more money from making art? We've all heard it said that success isn't about what you know, but who you know. And it's true that creative talent will get you noticed, but it's your connections that will elevate and sustain your career. But what if you're not sure how to make these connections or how to build on them? What if the very thought of networking makes you shudder? I get it. You're not alone. Pretty much every artist I've ever worked with finds this challenging. So I'm on a mission to demystify the art world and help artists conquer their fears, broaden their network and thrive financially doing what they were born to do. I know there are people out there that will love your work, enjoy talking to you about it and even open doors for you. I also know that it only takes five simple steps to build fruitful professional relationships. How do I know? Because I've taught hundreds of clients these steps and they've seen amazing results. Now it's your turn. I've created a brand new course that will teach you the five steps to making critical connections and open the door to extraordinary opportunities. Unlock Your Art World Network is a short, affordable, self-paced online course that breaks down each step with quick video lessons with me as your trusted guide, accompanied by easy-to-follow, beautifully designed, downloadable worksheets, so that with just a couple of hours each week, you'll dramatically heighten your chances of meeting key players in the art world and building mutually rewarding relationships you get lifetime access for the equivalent of just over a fiver a month. Taking control of who you introduce your work to is fundamental to a successful, sustainable creative career. So what are you waiting for? Go to kerryhan.com to buy Unlock Your Art World Network and take your art career to the next level. Welcome to the Extraordinary Creatives Podcast. I'm Kerry Hand, your host and creative coach. Join me each week as we delve into the journeys of creative trailblazers, aiming to inspire you to embrace your creativity and chart your own unique path. My guest this week, Titania Altius, boasts an extensive career spanning over 20 years in the music and creative industries. Currently serving as the Head of Member Services for Phonographic Performance Limited, she's provided support to acclaimed artists such as Stormzy and Digger D. Titania holds positions on the boards of the Royal Philharmonic's Academy Trust and Raw Materials Music and Media, a London-based music and media charity. Her unwavering commitment lies in aiding musicians, singers, producers and labels in turning their passions into sustainable careers. During our conversation, Titania shares invaluable insights on how artists can navigate the industry's challenges and sheds light on what she deems as the pivotal elements for successfully sharing your work with the world. Listen to the end to hear what change she intends to make happen. I loved this conversation, so I hope you do too. So, good morning, Titania. Hello, and welcome to Extraordinary Creatives. It's so brilliant to be with you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. Yes, very excited. Would you do us the honour of introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what you do? Yep. So my name is Titania Altius. I have worked in music and the arts for around 25 years, giving away my age. 
Um, I'm currently head of member services for PPL, um, who are a music licensing company who uh, license music on behalf of record labels. Um, and we pay over 140,000 performers and artists uh, and recording rights holders on that basis. So, yeah, very exciting. For those of us who don't really understand music licensing, could you give us a bit of background on why it's important for musicians? Yeah, so if you think about music rights, um, everyone thinks about the video and the song and it's played, but actually what we're thinking about is those music rights and enabling musicians to make a living from from what they do, their music. So whenever you see a video played or you hear a track played on the radio or um, at a nightclub or on TV or in EastEnders or at the theatre, the person who wrote that piece of music or performed in that piece of music, whether you are the singer or you played a triangle in the background, you're entitled to royalties and that's how you make your living. That's how, you know, those royalties last a long time, um, 50 years. So it's really important to think about the now, but also think about the future. Think about building, you know, building your uh, revenue streams. And that's what we do. It's a really important thing that we do. And I almost wish more musicians knew about it. I mean, we are quite well known, but I, it, it's just it's that making what you do, making a living from what you do. And that's what we do for musicians. And how would a musician get to be represented by you guys? PPL is free to join for musicians. So they would just join. They can get in touch with me. They can find us online. They join, they register. And again, it's it's everyone. It's the, the singer. It's the backing singers. It's the uh, non-featured. You don't see the name anywhere, but they are there doing the work. In some instances, if you think about, you know, uh, Afrobeat or Drill, it's that producer who's making those beats, whose name you don't necessarily see, but they are an integral part of the process. Um, and they are all due royalties. And so, yeah, that's what I... Could you give us an example of some of the musicians that work with you who we might know and have heard of that you're especially excited to have on board? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking the other day, actually, who who, 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 who can I talk about? And I was doing a, um, a seminar at YouTube and I was thinking, trying to explain what why what we do is important. And I looked at the audience and I thought they'd get those Stormzy. I was like, you'll get that. You'll get Stormzy. You'll, you'll get Diggity. Um, and it depends who I'm talking to. So, yeah, so it's Stormzy, it's Diggity. It's, it's people, every musician you can think of. Um, but those are my two examples of the week. I gave those last week and it landed. So I was quite pleased. And what does your job entail? So, yeah, we have um, 140,000 members. So I look after record labels. We look after performers, um, big and small. So large names that you've heard of down to smaller uh, performers that you wouldn't have heard of but again they are the backing singers or they might be the viola player um, or, or the tambourine player or even the triangle player or the beat maker um, and essentially it's just working with them to make sure that everything that they've worked on they've made a, a, an active claim on that they have told us hey look that's my record and that's my release and then we go out and we license we license uh radio stations we license venues we make sure that we are 
distributing those royalties. So that's what my 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 role, I suppose, is that um, I head up the the contact team. So I head up the account managers. I head up the the people that look after the day to day comms and workflow with those labels and those performers and those artists. And you're championing musicians and the people who are in the business of making music. So you're an external face because yeah. you're often on music award panels and attending those kind of events. Um, what do those kind of events give musicians? I think it's it, it's twofold, right? For musicians, it's about everything is about exposure. Often it's about exposure. It's about getting a name out there. It's about being seen. But it's also about having those conversations and communicating and learning. And I, and I think I didn't know this when I was younger, and I wish I did, but it's about networking, right? It's about making those networks, um, asking those questions, uh, and having that contact and that visibility. So for us, going to those events allows us the opportunity to connect with those musicians and those performers and those integral people in the music industry, for artists and performers. Uh, it allows them to do the same thing from the, from their end to connect with us from the business end uh, and um, have those really important conversations. What do you think are the challenges for musicians today? I think there's a, there's a, it depends who you ask. There's a lot of challenges for musicians. And I, I think understanding the complexities around making a living is a huge challenge. I think there's things are changing so fast, right? You've got streaming and then you've got um, this right exchange and you've got the iTunes doing this and things are just moving so fast. So I think it is just understanding the industry and understanding what they need to be doing and when. And how to have those conversations and ask those difficult questions. I think that's that's a real challenge. And everyone is, I think the industry's changed so much. It's gone from being find a label and then get signed and then they'll do it all for you to DIY and you can now pick and you can do bits yourself. You can get a distributor, but do your own releases or you can work with a label, but also have a lot of your own, you know, power and and, and choices that you so it's it's confusing I think mm. the landscape can be confusing uh, and some have got teams around them uh, which is always what you want to do right it's like, it's like an extension of networking if you've got a team around you they're sort of picking up some of those bits for you but if you haven't um, that can also be a challenge who do I talk to where's my network and it's that trying to find your network and, and find your people find your tribe what would you recommend to Tanya for people coming through the business, youngsters or elders trying to get into the business? Where would they go to discover that info? Yeah, I think talk to people like PPL, talk to people like uh, PRS, go to, you know, make sure that you're looking after yourself, your well-being, talk to help musicians and um, get out there and just just talk to the organisations that are here to help you. Think about how you might network and again I think I think that finding your tribe is really important some of the work that I've done uh through PPL or through I've also worked at PRS and MCPS so all of the licensing organizations and I know it's a really like it's we're passionate about it we're passionate about supporting musicians and helping them to work out what they should be doing when and how um so have that conversation uh pick up the phone talk to us and you've worked in the arts, as you said, for 25 years. And so music is your passion, I know. So you have, a, obviously, you have the day job, but you're involved in music in lots of other ways. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I have, one of the things that I do moment most, I would say, is I run a monthly gig called um, Saturday Soul Affair with my husband and his partner, Steve and CJ. And it's been in Mayfair and it's we've been at the same venue for 10 years so every every month 
at the last Saturday of the month, you can find us in a little pub in Mayfair. Um, we have DJs on, guest DJs each time. Um, we have a few hundred people through the door. And, and, I, and I, I love that. I, I really love it. Um, I don't think I'd stop doing that uh, for love or money. It's, it's, it's just, yeah, we did it on Saturday, just gone. And it's, I always enjoy it. I love um, being part of, you know, bringing music to people, watching how they experience and enjoy uh, different musicians, different um, DJs. So yeah, that's that's a key part of what I do. Um, I also do some some lecturing, as I think you might know. So I will be over at Tarliard, um teaching uh, and then talking to students, talking to emerging musicians. I've done some work for BIM. Um, What's BIM? So BIM is another um, education, uh, an educa- it's a music education um, institution based in London and Brighton. But I, I've worked at the London one um, many years ago and have done bits and pieces since. Um, and Tyard is the same thing. It's a music industry hub and they have an education profile, an education, they like a, a university. So I uh, go and speak to them sometimes as well. So why is music so important to you? Do you know what? I almost feel like it's part of who I am. My mum, uh, growing up, worked in music. I remember when I was very young, probably about uh, 14, and going and onto the set of this music video and just knowing, oh, yeah, I want to be her. I wanted to be the singer. Um, I am not a singer. Uh, I'm in the background. But that was then. I, mean, I was in the carnival um, growing up as a, as a young child. It's literally part of what my family did. My brother's a DJ. Um, and I just... I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do something in music. And, you know, you have a few, when you come from certain backgrounds, I suppose, you come from music. It's like everything, everywhere around me, Halston's where I grew up, music was everywhere. So it's always been in London, right? Halston's in Northwest London. Yeah, I was born in Stonebridge. Um, It's a very musical area. Uh, You just hear music everywhere. So growing up, I just, I just knew I wanted to do something in music. It was to be a musician, but, you know, I suppose when I got to, uh, I think in my 20s, I remember having a conversation with someone who said, there's more to the arts and music than just a musician. You know, you can be a facilitator, you can be an enabler, you can be in the back, there's loads you can do. So just because you don't get a record deal or you don't become a, a singer, there's other things you can do. So think about that. And I did. And I'm still here. Mm. So from having that conversation, what steps did you take to get into the arts? Well, I've, actually, I think I started off then. I was a door girl for various people. I think I was at Heaven Hospitality. I, did, I was a door girl for a while. Heaven's um, a nightclub in London. It is a nightclub. So I was the, I was the guest list girl for a while at various clubs in London. Um, I was very nice. <laughs> I wasn't Thanks me. for clearing that up. <laughs> <laughs> and then I um, got a job in music PR, um, did that for a couple of years, went to uni, uh, and then I started off at MCPS as an account manager. What's MCPS, at, Titania? Um, sorry, so I keep talking in acronyms. It's the Mechanical Copyright Protection Society. Again, it's it's music rights, it's royalties, but mm-hmm. uh, I get on the on the publishing side. Um, and so I was account manager for um, record labels on that side. I then moved to uh, work for an organisation called PRS, which is the Performing mm-hmm. Rights Society. Um, again, on the publishing side with rock songwriters and publishers. Um, that worked in licensing there as well. Um, I moved around a bit, so I've been at Help Musicians, um, heading up their creative program, and then uh, doing some independent sort of freelance producer work. And, and now I'm at PPL, who is the third um, 
a music licensing body in in, in the UK. Mm-hmm. So we call them CMOs. Um, so I'm here. So I've done the the full trio now. You also did some work for the Brent City of Culture. Yeah, yeah, I did. I was a creative producer on the London Borough of Culture programme. I worked on Brent. Uh, I, I worked on the music um, projects, as you can imagine, uh, most of all. And yeah, it was, that was a, a, an amazing, amazing time, amazing few years. I loved it. So in terms of you growing up and having music being part of your sort of upbringing and being inspired by artists, did you have any particular role models or people that stood out for you in terms of role models do you, do you know what I remember being really young and looking around me and I and actually I, I couldn't see anyone I didn't I, I'd love to be able to sit here and say this person was just like me they were a role model but but they weren't they were singers they were singers who looked like they came from where I came from I remember listening to um a Nana Cherry song and looking at her photo and thinking well she looks a bit like me she's she's brown and she's a black woman I wonder where she's from um but in, in in the music industry I didn't see very many people like me um so I thought well actually who do I want to be I have to kind of in the 90s and and, and the noughties there weren't people like me from mm-hmm. the council estate um there are very few so when I hear that question about role models I, I actually I always struggle to think about growing up who was my role model um so I think it was a mixture of, of various people I know mm-hmm. I knew what I wanted to be I knew I wanted to be more than I was I knew I wanted to 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 have a I just wanted to work with people and to help people uh, and I wanted to work in music so I kind of tried to create a little mashup of that and to, and to work out what, what what does that look like for me mm-hmm. um because when you don't see yourself always reflected in, in the world around you you kind of yeah, that role model things, that's always a difficult question for me. It's important, I think, because a representation is important, which is one of the reasons we, we need to talk about it. But thinking about what it's taken for you to do what you do in terms of participating in the culture that you want to be a part of. So what has it taken for you to be in these roles? I mean, I think it takes to be, to be, to be brave, right? Because um, mm. there is, we talk about, people often talk quite a lot about um, imposter syndrome. Mm. You kind of have to look past that because everywhere I go, I was different, right? There are very few people in the music business at a certain level where I am who are going to say they came from a council estate, single parent background, you know, the background that I had. Um, but actually, you have to just be brave, just be brave because the opportunities are there. And, and I think the first thing I did was um, when I went to university, it, it opened my eyes because no one in my family had gone to university before. So that was the first step. And you just keep taking another step and taking another step and, and, and just believing in yourself. Mm. And, and I, I said networking earlier for musicians, but having people around you that believe in you and that inspire you are, you know, are amazing. And my friends are some of my role models mm. um, and they are inspiring. And I just, from that first day I worked into my first, you know, lecture at university, I was a fish out of water. I really was. And I was thinking, oh God, oh God, is this going to be okay? But it was, Mm. it was. And I just keep making the next step. And I know that I want to, you know, you don't want people, young people now to, to, you know, open music week and not see anyone that looks like them or, or, you know, and, and I think things are changing for the better. And there are more people that look like me and sound like me and come from, you know, the same background as me. Um, I'm seeing more and more of them. And it's it's really, I think it's really exciting. And I kind of want to be part of that. What helps you to be brave? Knowing why I'm here. 
I am um, was reflecting the other day that I I've never worked for a commercial organization and I think that kind of speaks to for me I'm really passionate about what I do I couldn't do something if I wasn't passionate about it so enabling people empowering people helping people knowing that what I'm doing has a purpose and, and has a real impact on ordinary people on on musicians on you know the people that I'm out here supporting that helps me just you know that really helps me to be to be brave and you know nothing what's the worst that's going to happen I always think what's going to happen put yourself out there what's going to happen go for it what's the biggest risk do you think you've taken biggest risk I've taken I think I have changed jobs a few times and I I remember being in 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 the in the job and thinking this isn't this isn't the right role for me but it's a steady income it's a steady income it's not it's not what I want to do it's not creative enough I'm not making the difference that I want to make but I'm, I'm being paid a, a decent salary why am I being so ungrateful I should just do it and then seeing I think and um, that's when I saw the creative producer role come up at the bar, bar of culture and I thought should I just who steps away and takes a pay cut to go and do something different who does that but I did it and um, it was one of the best decisions I've ever made so that was that was that was I had to be brave then and I had to kind of sit back and go this is this isn't right for you what you're doing now this, this job is you know so I, I made a move so I think stepping into the unknown mm. is um, probably one of the bravest things I've done you talked about creativity there and being creative being important to you how do you fuel that creativity on a day-to-day when you're get stuck in the weeds like the rest of us do yeah I mean I think it's I'm, I'm really fortunate in that I, I get to be around a lot of creative people you, you know I get to go to events and and spend time with people who are creative but if I feel stuck in a rut I think I have to step away and reflect on why I'm there or um to be honest one of the things I do is I go and be creative myself I may not be a musician but I love to to, I love ceramics I'll go to the studio and and just get on that pottery wheel and just make something go and be creative or go and do something or go and listen to music I, yeah I can't I, I get quite itchy feet and if I don't attend to that I, yeah I'm no use to anyone so sometimes you've just got to stop and go and, and just do something creative for yourself so many of us that work in the arts and we are trying to make things happen or build things for people or, you know, and it actually becomes really office based. Yeah. And I think it, we can really easily get sucked into a vortex of meetings and Excel spreadsheets and all of that. So that tapping into creativity, but also the bigger why that you spoke of, I, I really love that. And being in service to others is clearly important to you, but that's lots of leaders um, that I speak to really have a very clear sense of their bigger why and enabling others and and helping other people to mobilise their creativity is a common thread. From all of the people that you've worked with over the years, who have you been the most inspired by? I think one of the, I would say I've got a friend who is an amazing leader and she never saw herself as a leader because she was quiet. I'm quite loud. I'm not incredibly confident, but I'm quite loud. And, and you kind of, you look at leadership and you think, you think of it as being a thing. So you should look like this. You should sound like this. You know, you should be posh. You should, you know, all of these things. And and seeing someone who who wasn't that and is, a, is, a, is an amazing uh, leader, I think that was really inspiring to me. Um, so I think I'm going to say 
a good friend of mine who is the head of culture at Camden. She is quietly confident. That's uh, Zarita, who's been that on the podcast. Zarita. Yes, yes. Sorry yeah. to like name and. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. I love that. Pay it forward. Yeah. How fantastic! And yeah, I, I totally get that. And she spoke again about um, not seeing herself uh, as being that leader because of that. I guess preconception that you have to be an extrovert to be a leader. But um, yeah. I love that you know that. And I think that's finding your tribe, finding your um, your people that inspire you, that yeah. you're in relation to on a regular basis is important. Yeah. Absolutely. Because you're going to get all these crises of confidence, like that, you know, you know that phrase, like imposter, it's so real. Imposter syndrome is real, real, real. And it's every single day. So you need people around you. If I'm going to go into work and sit around a table where no one looks like me or sounds like me or comes from where I come from, I need someone to remind me that I belong there. Mm-hmm. And so having your tribe is, that's why it's important. Like, Yeah, amazing. And in terms of the creative people, musicians, artists, what difference have you seen them make to people's lives? I mean, I, I'm going to think about um, not my current role, but uh, a role that I did at uh, an event that I produced, um, the, the Rise event. I remember, and this is, community is really important to me, people, people are really important to me. And watching, you know, working with, um, I worked with an amazing choreographer to, to choreograph this mass movement dance piece and we had this this musician who who was going to come and and and, and general levy he's going to do this live you know performance and um we had sort of 300 people sign up to come along and be part of this mass movement dance which was outside in the cold and they were just ordinary people like just ordinary people one of them was was, was suffering from cancer was going through chemo mm-hmm. came along every single week and they just work together and the impact that it had on their life just being part of this big creative piece and they weren't creative not all of them Mm. some of them were just you had housewives you had you had a priest you had an eight-year-old you had an 80-year-old you had someone who was fighting cancer coming together and just being creative was it was just the most beautiful thing because they created this amazing piece and everyone got something from it it was so moving so so Mm. we had this musician we had a choreographer we had professional dancers and you had this community and and the difference and the impact that that made and I mean that was three or four years ago and they still get together as a community and meet so so that is watching those professionals have that impact on, on people so you made an event in the community that created a new community of yeah. people who might not normally meet and yeah. work together yeah, exactly. And that was amazing. Um, seeing people come together, create their own communities, whether it's an artist network or it's, um, uh, you know, an, an event, it is beautiful. So you've worked with dancers, musicians, visual artists, you've worked across the whole spectrum of the arts. And I'm sure you're, you know, better than anybody that there are kind of micro communities in each of those fields. So dancers have their way, you know, visual artists have their way, musicians have their way. What have you learned that that they could borrow from each other? So in terms of visual artists, I'm thinking there's certain, there's ways of producing and getting work into the world, for example, from the, the field of music that I'm wondering if there's something that you could offer that you think might be useful to them. 
I think it's about connecting. It's about connecting, right? So it's connecting with your audience um, and thinking about different ways of doing that. And and whether you're a visual artist or a spoken word artist or a poet, I think about, and I'm thinking about music specifically here, the power of music, the power of music to connect to others or the power of whatever it is that you're doing to connect to others. Thinking about who you want to connect to and why that is important and, and, and other ways that you can do that. I remember working on a, or supporting a project and it was um, it was a spoken word project. And this artist uh, that I, I, I funded, we funded, expanded her project by bringing music in. So she had music, she worked with a musician to create um, another element to her to her piece of her artwork and it, it, it I mean it, it transformed the, her piece of work and it was beautiful anyway right it was amazing it was a fantastic piece of work but just the way that she worked with this musician and created a, a different body of work and just opened that up to so many other people I think was really powerful so I think about I just think who are you trying to connect to and what is it what do they want what do they you know what, what can you do mm. um, I think bringing different art together is really powerful um whether it's bringing music with uh visual art or, or spoken word with with visual art I, I think that that collaboration is so powerful and I love to see when when artists do do that and use it to to their um use those strengths together that interdisciplinarity and kind of co-creation and creating something new that is bigger than the sum of all their individual parts, I think, is really special. I think there's something in the the fact that artists, many artists that I know and work with and love, are often maybe a little shy, a little introverted. Mm-hmm. They're anxious about putting themselves out there. They want the work to speak for itself. You know, they don't really want to make themselves public. Have you any tips for those uh, creatives that feel like actually they would rather just hide and let the work do its thing? No, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think if you, it, if it's important to be true to yourself, right? And if you don't want to, if if you're not comfortable doing that, that that's fine. But what I would say is that you you kind of want to give your your work a voice uh, and explain what you know. However you do that, whether it's visually, whether it's um, written form or or, you know having music talk to to it I think it's important to to talk and and share the story with people because not everyone's going to see a piece of art and understand where it's coming from so I I often will want to find out more about an artist and and, and what is this piece talking about and and where did the inspiration come from so we're not judging no one's judging you um it's, it's difficult but find a way to sort of share your story and share your your ambition and share the reasoning um, because it is powerful. Mm-hmm. We want to hear from artists. And if it means that you're collaborating with someone else and mm-hmm. that's fine, it, you know, but it, we just want to hear the story behind that piece of art. I often talk to artists about the fact that they've created something that's kind of external to them, if you like. And um, it's about separating, although it feels challenging at times, separating yourself from the thing that you've made. And in a way, I think speaking to that bigger why that you spoke of, the thing that gives you the kind of impetus to to go forth and be brave, is thinking about that bigger why of what's important to you. So with artists thinking that actually they're backing the work as if it's almost like their best mate that they're backing, that they're actually trying to champion the work and sort of give voice to it. And I think collaborating on that part is really quite an interesting element because 
you and I both know that you can work with people to help you write a press release or craft your artist statement or your bio, or you could help somebody to help you unpack the story of it, which is often where mentoring comes in um, and people can actually support you to do the bits that you find challenging. But I think that becoming a storyteller is so interesting because artists are brilliant storytellers, aren't they? They they do it all in the work. But actually, Absolutely. the thing you're speaking to, to Tanya, is is the bit where they kind of throw the work like it's a pebble in a beautiful lake. And it's creating those extra ripples that actually then create a swell of enthusiasm in other people. Yeah. And it's, it's and I'm, I'm harking back to. So I, I've worked in I've, I've managed and run some some funding for artists. So I uh, for Rent 23, I ran the, the, the Culture Fund and I, and I had this money to give. I had like you know, this million pound budget. I had to give it to artists. And actually, so often you ha- this this is amazing, but tell me more, tell me more, and 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 funding is is one of those things. And I obviously uh, ran the creative um, program for help musicians, which is all about funding and supporting artists as well. And actually, that story is so important. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, I know you're an amazing artist, but what can you tell me? And sometimes I would say to them, if it's hard for you to pull that out of yourself independently, go and speak to someone, find a coach, find a mentor, find someone who can help to put your story and your vision into words mm-hmm. and and about you because because we need to hear that um so as you were talking there I was just reminded of listening to some amazing you know meeting some amazing artists that you desperately want to fund but you need that other that other that other part of that story um and that just I remember telling them speak to someone go and speak to a coach maybe get someone to help to 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 put to help pull your you know pull this out of you and and support you to put what you're feeling because it's it's so emotional like what you're feeling into words that's lovely can you think of an artist who is a great storyteller and perhaps is doing innovative things in the way that they're getting their work into the world a musician or an artist I I again I'm going to come back to I think of people like Akala Mm. um or 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 Stormzy and and just think actually what's important to them as musicians you know, the artists are often, they often have political views or they often have views outside of that, things that inspire them and kind of make them who they are. And when you see them, like when I think about Stormzy with her, the books and, and, and them being outspoken and, and all the other things that they're doing, I find that re- really, really exciting. Um, I know I'm speaking about musicians again, aren't I? I'm no, no, that's perfect. Them. I think that, so Murky Books is a really great example of, a passion project that is important to the musician, but actually is also telling the story of who that musician is, isn't it? Yeah. So it is, yeah. it's still coming from the same person. Absolutely. Or you think about Zadie Smith, not just because she's also from Northwest London um, <laughs> <laughs> and not just because I worked with her on the project, but um, she's also, you know, you just think about it when you read her books or, or you watch the play and all the short stories or the poems, you can feel that story. The story's mm. everywhere. And and I find that, you know, being open and being true to yourself is 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 really attractive to me. I when I you know, when I when I when I listen to an artist or go and see a piece of work from an artist who you can feel part of them is in there and you can their story is is kind of inspires them to create whatever they're creating. And that I find that really um yeah, I, I love it. I, I, it makes me just connect with them more. Yeah. So what what part of your story helps you to do what you do? I had to, this took me a while to to understand and, and be honest about it as well. But I think 
I think it's where I I'm a kid from a council estate in Halston. Um, first one in my, you know, my family to go to uni. And I think that really drives me, mm-hmm. if I'm really honest. Like, as I was thinking about the fact that what I do, and I'm always going to want to champion people and enable people. Um, and just also being being honest, I went through, you know, working in the music industry at a time when not many people look like me or sound like me who are being promoted or, are, you know, doing, you know, rising, you should say. Um, and then just one day realising about 10 years ago, guess what? This is how I speak. This is how I look. This is where I'm from. I'm just going to be absolutely honest and open. And there's such power in that. And since I've kind of accepted that and been, you know, proud of it, I've always been proud of it. But since I let that be part of who I am and that shows up to work every single day, mm. I think it it's made me... um a better leader it's made me um more true to myself i think yeah so that that that's it's just my be true to myself right this is who i am Mm. it's how i talk if i drop my t's it's okay and in terms of other people coming through in the industry what more could people do in the arts to support uh people coming through so that they can be more themselves in the arts i think it's and i had this conversation the other day i think it's admirable that the arts and and music is included in that music and the arts are really you can see that there's a desire to want to be different right to make a change I think it's about more than just getting someone in the door because when you get someone in the door they're still not equal because equality isn't fair fairness and quality are very different things so when I bring someone in from a different background what do they need to support what, what support do they need to, to to move forward and to do well and to succeed what do they need in the job it doesn't stop just because you've got them in or because mm-hmm. you've taken all their names from the application process it isn't as simplistic as that it's it's a long journey it took us what are we 2023 it's taken a long time to get into this mess it's going to take a long time and a lot of commitment to to, to, to get find our way out of it so that we are truly diverse and um, so it's not just about taking names off the applications or you know being fair or being what's the other one that they often we often talk about we talk about um uh positive discrimination it's not just about that because when you've got them in the door there's more you need to do there's always more that you can do um and really challenging some of those unconscious biases as well Mm. really challenging them from the top down it needs to come from the top down and that's when you'll really see a change how do you challenge the unconscious biases at work I'm really open about it. I'm, I, I ask my team, my managers, my senior, I ask them to ask themselves questions. Ask yourselves questions. Look at look at the spread. What are you? Is what you're seeing what you want to see? What do you want? How do you want this to look? In every single situation, whether it's the end of year review or whether it's who you choose to go and speak on a panel or it's who goes to this event, is the vision there? So, what is it that you want to see? Ask yourself that question day in and day out, and be consciously asking yourself that question: Are we doing enough? Have we done the right thing? Because I yeah. think often the answer is no, if we're really honest with ourselves. Is the, in terms of the things that you want to see change and happen, what things would you like to put in place? If you could wave a magic wand and make things happen in your current role, what would you change? I think in my current role, uh, I'm quite fortunate uh, where I am now that that vision is shared. It is top down. So I've seen that it can work. Um, you know, our chief exec, 
does want this to, to he wants this change and he's driving that change we've got a hr team who also want that change and they're driving it through as leaders i think um the thing that i'm working on now is that ongoing support so getting getting people who are diverse come from diverse backgrounds in is one thing but actually how do we get them in and up um, in and up in and up because post 2020 like everyone else who is of color of black let's just say it um i had calls and offers to do things that i was definitely ill-equipped to do i would have failed um and that's not how you create diversity you don't just bring someone and plonk them in or you don't you know it's about building so that when the opportunities arise that person that you're looking for is ready so if we've got people in internally what are we doing to support them and, and push them so when that job comes up they're genuinely ready for it rather than just plonking someone in um where they don't belong so I turned down a, a fair few things in 2020 uh, mm. because actually that, that, that job's not for me and you question why do you want me what's going on mm. well, so what kind of support would you have needed to take those roles I think I would probably have well you want you know you want experience is one thing some of the roles I was not even remotely experienced or qualified for so that's mm. the first thing um others you kind of want to think actually you just want this to happen now so I think in terms of experience and support it's what does it look like is it coaching is it mentoring is it giving me is it giving that person access to these things before the opportunity comes up and I think that's the key how are we building and supporting them to when those opportunities come up that they can walk into those roles prepared and ready with the necessary experience and skills and qualifications. So some of the things you can learn, right, you can teach them the job, but experience, they need to be given access to these things beforehand. Um, otherwise, they just, they come in and fail. And that's what, you know, worries me. And um, you don't want things to be for show. So, mm. And how is the sort of gender balance doing in the music industry right now? No, it's uh it's there's this way to go. There's been progress made, but there's definitely a way to go. Um, on the gender balance, on the diversity balance as well. Um, in you know, I'm a black woman in music, uh, in music business and the music industry, so you kind of I'm fighting for, for for all of it really. Um so we've made progress, but there's definitely a good way to go. In terms of the people that you see doing interesting and innovative things in music right now are there any people you could shine a spotlight on for us oh that's a difficult question um I think I think there are yeah I mean there is when I think about organizations like Black Lives in Music I think that they're doing uh, an amazing job I think about um things like uh PRSF have their power up program I think that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and In what way? Well, I suppose when you think about what uh, Power Ups um, and, and PPL sponsor this and we support it and, and I'm a, a part of, of the programme as well, but it's about bringing um, emerging and, you know, rising talent together. And so you've got artists, performers, producers, you've got uh, uh, entrepreneurs all within this music industry who are coming together. And we talk so much about creating that network this gives them a network. So it's about giving this network, bringing you together and giving you access to experts and influential people who can help support you in your career. Um, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, 20 years ago, if you said to me, 
you'd pick me up and put me in a room with other like-minded people who are also on the up or who are also ambitious and driven and give them access to all of these opportunities it's amazing mm. so um I think yeah there's a couple of things that I that I think are really powerful yeah that's about again about building a community isn't it but also yeah. that interdisciplinarity and that sort of skills crossover that you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So having the ability to have the ideas, but know how to publish them, distribute them, build them uh, a kind of a network around each of those ideas makes perfect sense. Yeah, because the industry is a small place, right? Um, how do you get a piece of music on an advert? How do you think about sync when you think about, you know, what are the opportunities? And if you've got those networks around you, and then you're in a you know what what is an amazing uh, powerful um, opportunity what are the challenges for people who want to distribute their work at the moment I think it's a crowded marketplace there are so many expectations as well so it's where do where do you start I think is the, is, is the first thing and I think like like a lot of um, artists I hear talking about actually what should they be doing and and I I've been a funder right so I've 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 been there I'm looking at people's socials, what's there, but how do you get your, your how, how do you get to that place where you are featured on Spotify when you've got this? If you haven't got the the revenue or the network to, to sort of build that. So there's two things. It's 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 a crowded marketplace. What what should I be doing and where should I be looking? But then also how do I get myself out there? How do I build my brand? Because it's a it's a key thing. We know we've got to do it. You've got to build your brand. And that is, I know a lot of artists find that challenging. Mm. how would you recommend they do that at the moment yeah I, I again I think it's about building those networks mm. um having those networks talking to the right people finding your tribe um and we often say what's who do you who are you inspired by and what, what are they doing how are you going to get there mm. um but yeah connect with like-minded people um you know, make sure that you are attending everything you can attend, building that profile as much as you can. It's, it's, and I know it's a challenge. I say that knowing myself that it's a challenge. Um, but yeah, I think network. Mm. Thinking about what's helped you in the roles that you're doing right now, because you, you know, being brave is one thing, but what do you think is your special source, Titania? Do you know what? I, I just, I'm really struggling to answer that, but I think, I I I put myself out there, go and ask the question, and I mm. and I get help. I ask for help when I need it. It's a powerful thing because sometimes being brave isn't enough. I need help. Am I doing the right thing? And it comes back to that network. Who can I ask? Who can I reach out to? I love who that. I, who can I emulate? Um, because you know I know where I want to be and what I want to be, and you know, um, and if I'm not there, what's missing? I have to sometimes be a bit brutally honest with myself. What's missing? And how can I, I, how that. Can I fill that gap? Can you give us an example of when you've you've thought about what's missing and then found a way to address that gap? Well, yeah. When I was 16, it was what's missing. I, I didn't have any networks, any anything. So I went to uni. So I was like, okay, I need an education. I went to uni. And then I realized, well, okay, I've got my degree. It's in law. What am I going to do with that? So I, I degree in law. I know, I know. So I was like, right, I want to work in entertainment. So I, I, I found an entertainment um law masters and did that, and then I found a program and, and joined that, and then I found a coach and, and joined and, and you know worked with a coach, 
um, what's what's missing? What do I need to, to to get to the next step? And sometimes it's about being self-critical. Um, and I'm not perfect. Who is? Um, you know, but what do I need to get to the next step and how can I get it? And you said, who do I need to emulate? I think that's such a beautiful way of try before you buy. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Thinking about what kind of people were you looking at and uh, and either admiring or thinking that they had something that might be useful to you? Well, I was buying Music Week and looking at everyone who was featured and thinking, who's the close to resemble? What did they? What did that person do? What did that person do? Well, I, I was. It was a bit geeky, um, but it's what I did. Or I would look up um, artists that I that I inspired to. I would look up um, people in the industry that I aspire to. Like and, who, Titania? Oh, God, I, that, is, that actually might be too hard. I can't think of a single name. Maybe thinking back to when you were younger, I'm going to think of, um, so when I was younger um, and one of our first guests, um, Sue Webster, um, made a whole project about Susie Sue. And she was a musician who um, really stood out to me because she didn't seem to care about what anybody else thought. Um, I'm sure, you know, that wasn't true, but it was her attitude, but as well as her whole look. And she wasn't trying to make herself attractive for the male gaze. I think that was something that I really liked growing up, but also she had attitude and um, saw her, was kind of interested in world building. Do you know? So there was something yeah. about that powerful woman who was creative, but also unafraid to be different, unafraid to be, didn't want to be polite or m- make herself smaller for other people in some way. So she was your Nana Cherry? Yes, uh, yeah. I guess well, so. I, yeah, because I was, I remember being 16 and being at uni and sorry not uni I wasn't I'm not I'm not super smart I was not at uni at 16 let me correct that I was at school I was a bit naughty as well I was very naughty um and everyone said you know you're gonna amount to nothing no one who you know who looks and sound and then she came out with this leather jacket and just smashed it I was like she's in leather jacket she's on the charts hold on a minute everyone's telling me that I need to look like something else and be someone else yeah. And I'm seeing this chick and thinking, no, no, no. She has got a leather jacket. She swore on TV. You're She'll telling me, me that I'm not enough, that I am too brash and I, I speak in, you know, but that, no, this is this. She looks like me. She's got a leather jacket and high top trainers and she just swore and everyone loves her. And she <laughs> has made it. That, 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 that was me wanting to be there in the cherry. Yeah. The reason it's so important for people to be themselves. Yeah. Because actually it definitely inspires the people behind them. So thank goodness that you were inspired so that you could carry on uh, supporting uh, other inspiring people, but also blazing a trail in your world. It's so exciting to see what you're doing and how you're supporting people. And I'm wondering you know what might be next for you in terms of where you want to plant some more magic seeds what do you think the world needs right now what would you like to contribute next I think the world needs more powerful black women in in positions of 
yeah, this is what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I see there's a lot of black women in music, right, um, who are doing amazing things. Uh, whether it's Shawnee, there's just amazing. There's, there's, there's loads of them. Um, but I kind of want a seat at the table, mm. big table, maybe the head seat at the table. Yes. Um, so I want to see more black women in, in the music business. Because, yeah, you look at a lot, people are make we're making it for ourselves, right? Often they are self-founded or it's their own organisation. But I want to see more black women in senior positions, like heads of the table. I'm sure you're going to make that come true. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I want them to be working class as well. I want to see people from council estates, black women, because you kind of got that triple, triple, triple Triple threat. Triple triple threat. threat. Yeah, Yeah. I kind of, that's what I want. Um, And I, I, yeah, and I can see the tide turning and things happening. So, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing some of your story with us today. Where could people go to find out more about you and your work, Titania? So um, having said about talking about building your profile, you can find me on Instagram (laughs) or uh, LinkedIn um, or connect connect with me on either of those places. And in terms of where you work currently, do you know the website address? Um, Yeah, it is. I should know this off the top of my head, but it's PPL. I think if you Google PPL, PPL um, UK.com. Brilliant. And we'll put the uh, all the information in the show notes for people. So thank you so much for joining us, Titania. What an inspiration you are. Please keep being extraordinary and supporting the next generation of amazing women just like you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. Thank you so much. I admire Titania's dedication to empowering and assisting others, making a meaningful difference to the lives of everyday people. Moreover, I share Tanya's perspective that if you lack the role models you seek, it's crucial to challenge those around you. Use that absence as motivation to become the role model you wished for, setting your own unique example. You never know who you might inspire. Please follow and share the podcast. It helps us to support more brilliant creatives like you. Recommend future guest suggestions in your reviews. They might well become part of our show. Thanks for being part of our creative community. Until next time. Thank you.